It's time for Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. The opinions expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. Now, here's Michelle. Today on Live from Seattle, Dorian. Me and my baby, my, everyone that stay in the apartment building, we stuck right here. Please pray for us. The apartment building, as we stay in, the, the whole roof came off. We standing right here. white um, houses but some people um the water just took them good afternoon i am michelle mendoza and we are live from seattle 8 20 a.m the word it is news and views thursday news and views thursday Well, there is big news going on. It's not in our neck of the wood, Dorian. Today on Live from Seattle, we'll be talking about not just Dorian, the, the hurricane that is scaring the nation, at least that part of the nation, but how does it affect us? We'll take that on in just a moment. We're going to be talking about some of the relief efforts that's going on and what we can learn about hurricanes that can help us here and here on the west coast particularly here in seattle on an absolutely gorgeous day it's not even raining here it just seems like a world away but how does it affect us here i'm about to let you know with our guest spencer mcgowan is with us he's the president of mcgowan group asset management incorporated you can find them at themcgowangroup.com Spencer, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. Well, here we are, another hurricane, another big headline news story, and it really does affect us all. There's financial uh, devastation, even where the hurricane doesn't hit. Exactly. And what we see here is disrupted agriculture is probably the first impact, uh, even from the citrus crops all the way, mm. uh, you know, up up the East Coast. Uh, agriculture in Virginia is, is the number one industry. So yeah, the farmers that lose a crop, uh, that's significant. We see it at the market, you know, almost immediately uh, when that happens. The, the tragedy to the families and the rebuilding effort that cost is estimated at about $10 billion. The insurance companies really have this down to a science, and you could see it in Houston when Hurricane Harvey mm. hit. You know, they were down there handing out checks right away. And Houston, you know, is just now fully recovered, if you will, uh, from Hurricane Harvey a few years ago. Well, indeed, and, and yet with the billions that go out to uh, the relief effort. And we're, not, we're not just talking about humanitarian organizations who are first boots on the ground, so to speak, and those of us who are helping people dig themselves out uh, to f find footing again, even help those who insurance is not there to help. Uh, we're talking about uh, the insurance companies that cover us as well. They want to make up that money somewhere. Uh, the government that goes in with FEMA, uh, that's money that comes from all of us. So in an, in effect, that too is an effect on all of us. There, there is a drain. 
and you, you see that initially. Uh, you know, GDP impact maybe this quarter, uh, certainly disruption. That's one of the, the major effects. The longer-term cost of rebuilding, it, it takes years, and you, you see it, New Orleans, Houston, uh, in their recovery efforts. Mm. It, it, uh, some areas, you know, in, in New Orleans really have never come back uh, from, that kind of, uh, from that kind of devastation. Uh, that's amazing. And you think that how long ago that was. We have uh, a lot of devastation still recovering even in Texas after Harvey. And now we have these things hit again. And, and it always amazes me that, yes, they're beautiful areas. And yes, people love to live there. But you know, you're in a hurricane zone. <laughs> It just, it just kind of, I don't know, somewhere along the line, you know, I, I, I spent some time in Hawaii. Uh, and so I, in a way, I kind of get it. People in Pahoa, hello, anyone listening in Pahoa, uh, you keep building there, even though you know there's a volcano next door. And some of that needs to get built in on the, on the finances, right? You, you, you ideally, you want to have a place to evacuate to and then as as well, you know, the ability to understand that there will be devastation and it could hit you, uh, you know, somewhere down the road, five years, 10 years. Uh, so if you're planning your retirement on the beach, uh-huh. uh, you also, you, you got to have a backup plan if you mm-hmm. want to retire on the Gulf Coast. Well, that, and that's it's so important. Uh, or if you're building a home on Hawaii where there's a volcano, you really do have to take those things into consideration. Uh, there are some areas that are beautiful. Hawaii tends, or, uh, not Hawaii, rather uh, Florida tends to be a magnet for those who are retiring. The cost of living is a lot less than it is here or it is in New York City. Uh, so you're saving money. You're able to make your, your dollars stretch but you do have to factor this in even if it doesn't wipe you out uh, this is something that you really need to think about and maybe in a wider sense as we talk with spencer mcgowan president of mcgowan group asset management incorporated um we have our own tragedies looming here on the West Coast, Spencer, where we're on a fault line. They say the big one is due. It should happen any time, and it could wipe us out uh, like we saw some of the devastation after Harvey or Katrina. So when we are thinking about our own finances, we need to factor in disaster can and often will happen in one way or another. Yeah, well, your data backup plan, and, and certainly your your minimum reserves because of that should be an extra ten or twenty grand, right? Mm. <laughs> just, yeah. just just so you can go somewhere and uh, figure how to sort things out. And uh, of course, your cloud-based document vault is probably a, a, a must, uh, especially on the on the Gulf Coast, uh, because all those pictures could be gone in a second. Wow, what a what a wonderful thing to think about, and it's it's sad to watch tragedy, but if we can utilize the tragedy, Spencer, to help us to make good decisions to prepare ourselves in the eventuality of something happening, I, I mean that seems logical, but not something we always plan for. Uh, let's put a uh, you know some a few thousand dollars aside, ten thousand dollars, whatever it may be. If a disaster hits, 
I can have some place to go. I have I have something there to say, okay, I'm going to get out of Dodge. I'm going to sort things through. I'm not going to try to pop a tent on top of my shattered uh, dwelling. Uh, I, I may have a safe place for myself and my family to go. That just sounds like the basics along with, you know, some of the things that we don't often think about, uh, having reserves of food and water in the house, uh, things that, that you don't think about until it's too late well we maintain a go bag you know where you where, where you stash flashlights uh and some basics so you could you could make it through a couple of days if you had to or at least hop in the car and road trip somewhere but in our case you know when you look at uh the coastlines you have a whole different perspective in in terms of readiness i will say that the infrastructure in florida has really been designed after the past few hurricanes, we'll say over the last 25 years, their infrastructure uh, has been strengthened to the point that even even the new construction is is built so that it can withstand, uh, you know, almost a Cat 5. Mm-hmm. And, and that's good news, as we uh, heard uh, Trump say that we were pretty lucky in Florida thus far, uh, still bearing down for some of the other areas of the of the country in that region. But I think as we talk finances and the effects on all of us, as we learn from hurricanes, if we as we build our infrastructure to withstand, as we, we can see in things from earthquakes to fires that can devastate, but we can also survive so much better than other parts of the country. And we look at the Bahamas. I think another thing to consider is that when we can be financial set, we can be there to help in the devastation uh, of others around the planet, and particularly and specifically what's happening uh, in the aftermath in the Bahamas. There are heroes. A Cajun Navy is a group of heroes that was there for Katrina, there for Houston. Yeah. And they've, they've actually, the, the Cajun Navy's actually gained ground uh, as a, uh, as not just a relief effort, but heroic. I mean, these guys... They they pack up the fishing boat and they head they head straight into it. They're crazy, uh, the tra- <laughs> the tra- but amazing. The, the tragedy in the Bahamas is, of course, the Cajun Navy can't make it there. But yes, they were on their way to North Carolina uh, and and up the coast. And it's just that's to me uh, a reminder as we talk finances and how. Uh, tragedy, uh, natural disaster can, can affect us all. I think ending our conversation with how we can affect them when we're doing just fine um, we have the ability to maybe give or if you're in an area where you've seen someone devastated uh, pack up the fishing boat (laughs) you know whatever helping a neighbor Uh, these are the things that we can do when we're we ourselves are on solid ground. Well, a Cajun Navy is a 501c3. I'm not a member or, or, or I'm not promoting them. I'm just saying yeah. they're, they're one of the groups that is true boots on the ground with true volunteers.
Yeah, it's a, it's beautiful. And it's really, it is really beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. It, it helps us to get in perspective when we look at a news story. And I think we've all been guilty of this. We look and it seems so far away and we're so far removed, but we realize we're all living on the same planet in one way or another. It does affect us, but even more so I'm encouraged by our conversation today, Spencer, because it gives me insight into how I can make sure I'm on solid ground. So I can be part of the solution. Thanks again for making time for us today. Thank you, Michelle. It's good to know the West Coast cares. Stay with us today if you'd like to know more about Dorian and some extreme weather, having an understanding of its power, where it comes from, what we can know, how we've been able to almost tame the weather well in essence by having a better understanding of when things are coming and giving warning we're going to talk with a man who is behind that he's a senior vice president of AccuWeather we'll also talk with a gentleman that says I wonder is this part of global warming we may have a challenge to that. We'll talk about this, get that debate out there and going. Love to have you join us in that. And in the next few minutes, you are going to hear from my favorite Thai restaurant in Seattle. They have the best food and the biggest heart. They give back to the community. They are amazing. Find out more in the next few minutes. And well, you know, I've been on a Calitrin journey, which has been my journey for health. Today, I want to address those of you who are dealing with hair loss. Did you know a collagen supplement of the highest quality like Calitrin can make your hair grow back thick and rich and beautiful? just like it did when you were much younger. So you may want to look into Calitrin and, well, you'll hear more in the next few minutes as to how. Let's take a look at traffic as well and then more coverage of Dorian live from Seattle, 20 a.m. Don't miss the next segment of Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. Coming up. Time to get back to Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. We are live from Seattle, 20 a.m. The Word in Seattle and heard on the Salem Radio Network today. We are talking about Dorian. It has hit the nation. It has devastated parts of the Bahamas, but understanding extreme weather and, and what we can know about it can save lives, and it certainly has. Our next guest is the author of Warnings, the true story of how science tamed the weather. It's an awesome tale of how we have been able to save lives through the efforts of people like our guest and others creating America's storm warning system. He is the uh, he has will be given a special lifetime achievement award by the National Weather Association. He is senior vice president of AccuWeather and a specialist in the field of warning of violent storms. Mike Smith joins us. Mike, what a joy to have you with us today. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. I wish it was under better circumstances, though. Uh, indeed, but 
Uh, again, when we see tragedy, we can often find ways to save lives in the future. We can find it, it's almost like uh, the the bright light in the middle of the storm, the clearing, <laughs> at least yeah, in our hearts, yeah. because we we can make a difference. And indeed, people like you have. Can you help us to understand what's going on with Dorian right now? Right now, Dorian is 60 miles south of Myrtle Beach. It's more or less paralleling the coast to the northeast at about 20 miles an hour. Its maximum winds are down to about 100 miles an hour, but it is still a powerful hurricane. There is extensive coastal flooding, wind gusts along the North Carolina coast. In fact, just saw a report of 88 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So there are extensive extensive power failures, flooding. Uh, it's a real mess. There will be some uh, structural damage due to wind gusts near the coast as well. Wow. And and Dorian was, wow, it, it started out absolutely frightening in its strength, did it not? Yes. It was a, a pretty typical tropical storm until it passed between Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And once it got to that point, it began to strengthen very rapidly, and it was a Category 5 storm many more hours. Typically, storms reach Category 5 intensity for maybe 12 hours. This was a 5 for more than 24 hours, and unfortunately, it was over populated areas of the Bahamas. The strongest winds on Earth are those of an F5 tornado. If anyone's seen the movie Twister, they know what an F5 tornado is. But because hurricanes can drive so much water in the storm surge, uh, Grand Bahama Island and other parts of the Bahamas look like they were hit by an F5 tornado. Everything is flattened. And the latest figures I have, Michelle, are that 77,000 people have no power, no Mm -hmm. home, no water, no food. It is a gigantic humanitarian crisis. And a little later in the program, as you're listening today, we're going to talk about some of the relief that is going out and how you might be able to help. Right now, so glad to have with us Mike Smith, Senior Vice President of AccuWeather. He is a specialist in the warning of violent storms, getting us word before they hit. Uh, Having spent a good amount of time on the big island of Hawaii, there's a history there of a tsunami that hit. And going through, yes, right there in Hilo, and going through uh, the museum there, your heart goes out thinking, if we just had the storm warnings that we have now, uh, it could have been a different story. Yes. Uh, Hilo was pretty much hit without warning, and it wiped out that part of the island with a very high death toll. And you said something as, as you were doing your very kind introduction about preparing and preparation. At our home, we keep one month of food, water, first aid kit at all times. And we rotate out the water mm. and we rotate out the food. And for many people, perhaps five days is adequate, but I would always have five days' worth of sanitation supplies, food, water, medical supplies, whatever you need, 
because you never know what's going to happen, whether it's a tsunami or earthquake in the Northwest or whether it's a tornado in Oklahoma or a hurricane in Florida. You don't know what's going to happen, and so you're better off using the good days where it's bright and sunny outside <laughs> to go to you know Home Depot or wherever you need to go and get your supplies, put them away, uh, put a note on your calendar every 90 days to rotate them out. But uh, those people in the Bahamas, while people are moving heaven and earth to try to get to them, they would have been better off if they had had some supplies there rather than having to completely rely on outside help. And that's, again, why uh, this is the earliest of warning systems right here on the radio saying, you know, eventually something could happen. I don't want to be part of the problem. If I have a neighbor who's in a life and death situation, I don't want someone having to get to me because I wasn't prepared. Uh, I want to be able to be there for others. So this is a great time for us to watch what's happening in the news and to say, you know what? Right now, it is a beautiful day in Seattle. It's not even raining, if you can believe it. And it's a good time to maybe start setting up those supplies for ourselves. I wanted to talk about the evolution of some of the warning systems that that we have. I mean, to... Uh, you mentioned the movie Twister. That was uh, yeah. like watching something play out that mirrors some of the things that do happen in science. Uh, brilliant people like yourself uh, going out, making sure that we, ha- we have an understanding of storms so that we can be there to give warning before it happens. Well, I was one of the original storm chasers at the University of Oklahoma in 1972. One of those crazy people. (laughs) Well, you know, it was necessary and in some ways still is necessary so that we keep learning more about tornadoes and how to warn of them. But in 1972, they asked us to storm chase because they were trying out two experimental Doppler radars. And unless someone was there to observe whether there was a tornado or not, we didn't know how good the Doppler radars were. So it was essential to have people go out, and they found us University of Oklahoma meteorology students who were stupid enough to be willing (laughs) to do it, uh, putting our lives in jeopardy, and they weren't even giving us gas money. Uh, We just did it because we love weather and we love science, and and the tornado uh, warning system has cut tornado deaths by more than 95%. That is a Nobel Prize quality scientific achievement, but probably no one in meteorology will ever get a Nobel Prize. In that and that's, that's too bad. I will tell you, I have goosebumps. As you just said that, my I, shivers went up and down me thinking, because of efforts like what you all did, all the lives that are saved. And it is so exciting to read about the research. I mean, just here uh, this uh, this last month in Washington State, wildfires, uh, they uh, the smoke from the wildfires triggered a thunderstorm, yep. and NASA researchers were able to fly through it to learn more information. Believe it or not, that has its own name in meteorology. It's called a pyrocumulus cloud. Pyro, of course, yeah, fire. in Latin for fire. 
That is amazing. Pyrocumulus cloud. So so they were able to to look into this phenomenon and learn more about thunderstorms. Just understanding the weather, much like like your book, Warnings, uh, helps us to give get kind of a heads up. Now, still, uh, we're learning so much about pr- predicting uh, even when it's going to rain and when, when we're going to have sun. Uh, there's a, l- a long way to go, isn't there? There is a long way to go, but that's, you, you bring up an interesting point, and there was a rather annoying person on Twitter this morning who claims our forecasts are never right because apparently it <laughs> recently rained on him and we didn't tell him it was going to. But let, let, let's look at this a little bit different way. Over the last 30 years or so, the thought in meteorology has been the forecasts of partly cloudy and warmer are good enough. Hmm. Now, people may agree or disagree, but that's been the thinking within the science. For everyone else, though, we thought that what's really important is to get the tsunamis right, to get the tornadoes right, to get the hurricanes right, to get the blizzards right, and that's where all the research has been going. There has been very little research into improving partly cloudy in 75 and it being 75 rather than, say, 78. And so... um, I'm not sure whether that's been the right thing or not, because we do miss some uh, what you might call trivial weather forecasts. Uh, but that's often because we're so focused on the hurricanes and, and what we believe is what really matters to people. Hmm. Well, final question. What role does climate change play in extreme weather? It plays a role. There's no question that human beings affect the climate. Mm -hmm. There have been, unfortunately, regarding Hurricane Dorian, what I think is some unfortunate media coverage. We can't say that Dorian would or would not have occurred uh, due to global warming. There is some possibility that Dorian may be a bit worse um, because of global warming. However, if you go back just three years from from 2005 to 2017, the United States went the longest period in its entire history without a major hurricane. Hmm. So if you're going to say hurricanes are affected by global warming, then you've got to point out that we had this really wonderful 11-year period without any major hurricanes, as well as perhaps incrementally worse hurricanes because of global warming right now. So it's a mixed bag. I don't think we know precisely what what the effects humans are having on hurricanes exactly are. Um, I believe personally that global warming and that argument is almost beside the point. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I think we politicize so many things. I think we do need to be good caretakers of this planet. Don't get me wrong. But when we put, we we get involved in the politics, we miss some of the importance. And that's a lot of what you and I have been talking about today. Understanding the weather, extreme weather is going to happen. Uh, How do we get warnings? How do we protect ourselves? How do we prepare for the eventuality. 
And that's what I mean about making a more resilient society. Simply by storing five days' worth of food, water, and medical supplies, you have made yourself more resilient. And if we make a more resilient society, it really doesn't matter that much whether temperatures go up or down. Wow. This has been a great interview, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. He's the author of Warnings, the true story of how science tamed weather. He will be given a special Lifetime Achievement Award, which I really wanted to mention because it is so well-deserved by the National Weather Association. He is the Senior Vice President of AccuWeather, a specialist in storm warnings, and he can add to his resume a guest on Live from Seattle. Okay, maybe not, but it's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Mike Smith, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, yes, man... You have an effect on the planet, but has Dorian been over-politicized? We're going to take that on next as Live from Seattle continues 8.20 a.m. The Word. Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza is taking a brief break. So stay with us here on 8.20 a.m. The Word. Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza resumes. Here's Michelle. Thank you, big voice guy. I am Michelle Mendoza here with you. We are live from Seattle, 20 a.m. The Word. Uh, We are talking about Hurricane Dorian today. But we certainly got lucky in Florida. Now we can get lucky in uh, Georgia. And if you look at South Carolina, North Carolina, but it could even extend beyond that. It's a very erratic, a very slow, very powerful hurricane. uh, It's built up tremendous water and water supply uh, like few have seen. In preparation, over a million people along the coasts of Florida, Georgia and South Carolina have been told to evacuate. We just kind of waited and watched the storm to decide what was going on and uh, we've been through enough storms that we kind of just wait to kind of see how they play out. Wish I could evacuate sometimes. I'm usually here doing all the uh, last minute preps for people, you know, boarding up filling sandbags, doing all that I can, help people out. What Dorian has left behind already, a reminder if it were needed of the power of these storms and how vulnerable coastal communities can be. Well, it is a very big storm. We have been talking about its economic effects and learning a little bit from Dorian Uh, from our expert, our last guest, if you missed it, very interesting to talk with Mike Smith. He's senior vice president of AccuWeather and one of the men that was at the forefront of getting us early warning systems. Uh, Now, talking to Mike Smith, he says, you know, global warming has been a bit overplayed. Not to say that we should not take care of the environment. Not to say that we should not be caretakers of this planet. And you just cannot deny that when we are irresponsible, that it affects the world around us. But this has definitely been an overplayed issue, detracting from the bigger picture the people who are in need, being there for each other, finding unity, coming together, definitely 
over-politicized, kind of like everything else in our society. But what isn't over-politicized is the efforts. There are a lot of folks, a lot of folks going down to be part of the rescue efforts. What's going on? Yeah, we're trying to do the rescue here in Freeport after the hurricane. How many people are out there still? A few hundred. A few hundred? Yeah, a lot of homes are over here. And it's tough to get out there and get them? It's tough. How long are you going to keep doing it? Until we get everybody. We Bahamians. We're not going to stop until we get everybody in. This is all volunteer. People are coming. They're bringing their jet skis. They're bringing their boats. Uh, they're going to get their neighbors, they say. Everyone says they know of people. They say it's very hard to navigate because there are, of course, no more streets. And yet they are doing it. You don't see anybody from the government here. It is all very ad hoc. People coming with what they have. The jet skis they have, they are dealing with horrible weather conditions. It's not safe to be out on a boat right now. It's not safe to be out here at all. And yet they say they know there are people out there. There are people who've lost their lives out there, we are told. They brought back at least one body. And they say they will not stop until they get everybody. They won't stop until they get everybody. Stay with us at five o'clock. We're going to talk to a pastor who has made it his ministry to go down into the Bahamas and to care for the people down there, to minister to the ministers and the pastors of that area. Uh, he is heading an effort to bring relief to the Bahamas that has been so devastated by this storm, uh, by Hurricane Dorian. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is on the ground. Uh, you know, we work often with Save the Children. They're on the ground. So there are some good things that are happening that don't have anything to do with politics. Because when you see the devastation, you know it's, it's more important than the political divide. This was a story in particular that has swept the internet and has broken our hearts. There is information to report the Bahamas press is reporting Hurricane Dorian has claimed the life of a child. The paper tweeted out a picture featuring four side-by-side -side images of the victim. He's identified as seven-year-old Lachino McIntosh. The boy drowned while his family was trying to get to their home, and we're told that his sister is also reported missing. Very sad. Prayers for that family. Prayers for the folks in the Bahamas who are going through this. Uh, and we played this soundbite earlier. That's what happens in the midst of devastation. People realize they need something bigger than themselves. Me and my baby. Everyone that stay in the apartment building, we stuck right here. Please pray for us. Please pray for us. And that's one of the things that we can do. I know that there's been some debate over that phrase, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Uh, they say, well, that won't feed the hungry. Thoughts and prayers won't help. But Yes, yes, it can. And no, we don't stop there. We can make a difference. We can help those who are helpless. But believe me, uh, sending prayers, standing in the gap, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails so much. It is powerful. Don't negate prayer. Say those prayers. But also, let's put everything that we can 
concerning our faith into action. Now, as Live from Seattle continues, we're going to twitch. No, it's not a new dance move. It is (laughs) this week in Christian history. We're going to look back at people who made a difference when they saw a need. And it doesn't have to be something that's going to be written down in history books. Sometimes it's the little things that we do that changes history for just one individual. And oh, it's so good. That's what we're all about here on Live from Seattle. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Stay with us. We'll look at traffic and then have more on 8.20 a.m. The Word. It's Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza on 8.20 a.m. The Word. Stay tuned. Now, back to more Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. Hi, thanks for being with us today. I'm Michelle Mendoza. I'm your friend in the afternoon host of Live from Seattle, taking on the issues of the day. And today we've been talking about Dorian and its effects on the nation, its effects on the Bahamas. We'll continue that conversation in our next segment. We will talk with a pastor who is bringing aid to the Bahamas. We'll get a little insight into what life is like down there and what life is like after the hurricane's effects. Uh, But there is a segment that we present to you every week at this time on Thursday, and it looks back at history, at people, oh, well, we'll talk to that pastor who's making a difference, sometimes in big and small ways. Uh, a disaster hits, uh, there's a need in the world, and then there's people that are there, and they're making history. We may be talking about that pastor in the future as a pastor who made a difference in history. We make a difference in big and small ways. And when we look back at some of the people who did make a difference, we call it Twitch. This week in Christian history, it's time to Twitch on Live from Seattle. And we are twitching with the one and only Michael Austin. He is with Christian History Magazine. Christian History Magazine is a gorgeous, gorgeous periodical. Go to ChristianHistoryMagazine.org. Get your quarterly copy. It is cost effective because, you know, they they really want everyone to be able to have a connection with this history. These are beautiful magazines, but you can also look through their archives and learn so much beautiful interesting, well-written, and represented by my friend Michael Austin. Hey, Michael. Michelle, great to be with you. We have some... These are trying times, aren't they? Well, they are trying times, and, and we can think that like they're the, the worst ever, but there's been trying times in the past, or, and there's trying times all throughout the pages of history, but there have been people who have stood up in the midst of it and made a difference, and those are some of the people we're going to be talking about uh, in this week in Christian history. Yes, uh, amazing people, and you mentioned uh, the emergency in the uh, Bahamas and the devastation that the storm has caused. You know, when that happens, uh, it's amazing how the Christians step up and reach out and 
in a compassionate way serve their their neighbors. You know, we're called to love our neighbor. And uh, Jesus uh, told us that um, we would be known for uh, loving one another and loving everyone in the community. And so uh, this week we have the uh, privilege and uh, uh, the the insight in, into uh, a story that comes out of India of a Christian who responded to uh, dire need, uh, particularly of women. And this goes back to the um, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. In fact, on this day in 1901, the, uh, there was n- the nearing the completion of a hospital that was established in India to care for particularly women giving birth to their children. That's, that's how it came about. Um, the hospital started by Ida Scudder, who turns out to be another extraordinary woman uh, in, in a Christian woman in Christian ministry uh, serving her community. Let's talk a little bit about how she got there, because I think that's a pretty neat story. She was the daughter of missionaries, uh, a medical missionary family. Uh, she was ready to get out of India and maybe taste some of the affluence of uh, Western culture. But uh, interesting that she found a different calling and a different good life, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I'm one that can understand that because I've lived in India. The poverty uh, yeah. uh, and the suffering is uh, is overwhelming. And so here's a, a young woman who, born and raised, uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, in a uh, medical mission family, um, and yeah, she was she wanted to escape. I think probably uh, for for good reason. A young child who's who's again serving. Uh, people. She was accustomed to uh, feeding starving children. And, uh, you know, that's a heavy, heavy burden. But <clears throat> um, she was uh, c- came under conviction because this, uh, this amazing time came when uh, she was the, the one in the family who was being approached by local men whose wives were suffering in childbirth. And I think that that changed her life because it, I think she went, came under conviction of how she could serve, and she saw how she could uh, serve. She had been equipped to do so. What she wound up doing was going uh, to Britain, getting her education, becoming a doctor. We're talking about late 1800s, a woman becoming a doctor, which is, you know, was pretty rare, but it, it could rare. be done. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the it reason, the, the thing that really blessed me about this story i had not heard of ida scudder before today before you and i had had talked today about some of the things in history was that she was looking to help people of of differing faiths of differing backgrounds ones that said no your father can't you know male doctor can't come in and be in this room you know with someone giving birth inappropriate can't do that Uh, and so you have these people who uh 
are in compromised situations, sometimes in poverty, sometimes not. But mm-hmm. she wanted to yeah. share her love, her faith, and make a difference. And I, I love that, you know, not judging people based on what they believe, but loving people based on the love of Christ. That is yes. awesome. Absolutely. And it's a picture of God's providence, because here she was, a woman, a young woman, um, and she was the perfect uh, candidate to serve these families because their their traditions and their cultures uh, forbade a man assisting in a birth of a woman. Uh, very understandable. And so there she was, uh, you know, not not having the skills to be a doctor, but being a woman. And so uh, I think she put it together pretty quickly and uh, clearly found her mission and her purpose in life, let me go uh, get qualified as a doctor, come back to India and serve, and that's exactly what she did. And she founded a hospital that is still in operation in uh, the southeast region of, of India. Uh, to, it's still in operation today. What a, what a legacy and what a testimony to uh, the, the Christian faith and the Christian uh, conviction to serve their community and to help others. We're talking with Michael Austin of Christian History Magazine. Michael, when these folks that we talk about on our Twitch segment this week in Christian History, when we talk about them, I think we can look back and say they weren't doing these things so that they could be remembered a hundred years later or however long later. They didn't do these things to be part of of our history tales. They did it, did the things that they did because there was a need. And as they saw a need, they said, what can I do? We all are part of history now today we're making history today when there is a need out there when we when we find that there's a need whatever it may be a need to just uh, smile at someone walking down the street a a need to help a neighbor we see a neighbor in need we hear uh, about hurricanes or christian persecution and and we find uh, people who are doing something we can give we can pray this is us making history just as ida did and and that's what's encouraging about this segment. Thank you, Michael, for being with us today. This uh, this particular periodical, this uh, Christian History magazine, is a spectacular magazine. But this latest issue focuses on what? On women of the Reformation. So once again, um, we have wonderful stories, wonderful material to, uh, to research and to study concerning how women were empowered, if you will, um, lifted up. They, they themselves uh, stepped forward uh, in their faith and in their belief to, to serve uh, as they could, and they, they were pioneers in, in doing so. Uh, so, you know, Ida is a wonderful example of this because even yeah. before she was qualified to be a doctor, she sort of self became a, a fundraiser because she knew that there were going to be needs, uh, financial needs, to uh, help people in India. And she, so she, and the, and the Lord answered her prayer and her request 
providentially, again, providentially to supply those financial needs. So, you know, he gets, uh, he supports us when we get started uh, working and helping. And I think uh, it goes both ways because, uh, you know, Jesus reminded us that he watches to see how the how his father is working, and that's where he goes, and that's what he does. That's where he participates. Um, likewise, I think our father is looking for, uh, you know, who is doing his work, and he comes to their aid. So what a wonderful, it's unbelievable a, It's uh, encouraging. We have. It is. It's yeah. encouraging. It's encouraging. And thank you for being with us, encouraging us today, Michael. It's always good to talk with you, my friend. And we'll chat next week as we... Twitch. Stay with us as we continue on live from Seattle. We're going to be talking more about Hurricane Dorian and getting an inside look into the lives of the people of the Bahamas. There's some things that you may not know. You think of it as a vacation destination, but it is so much more. We will talk about that And in just a few moments, you're going to hear from somebody who is a blessing to all of us. I'll just give it to you this way. If you're having an event, a wedding, an anniversary, a big party, a small party, and you'd like someone else to step in and make it pizzazz, find out in the next few minutes how you can do just that. We'll also take a look at traffic and then more to come live from Seattle, 8.20 a.m., The Word. Keep it right here on 8.20 a.m., The Word. We'll be back with more live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza after this. Time for more live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. Good afternoon. I'm Michelle Mendoza. We are live from Seattle, 8.20 a.m. The word where the big news everyone's talking about is Dorian. While we sit here relatively unaffected, we've talked today about how natural disasters anywhere in our nation can affect us all greatly. It affects the fiscal out come of our of our country it affects all of us in one way or another and it really should does the bible not say bear one another's burdens well their burden there uh, in the bahama area there is a relief effort underway now we've talked a bit about how there's much relief uh, going out from here right here in the northwest people pulling together but i invited a pastor who is entrenched in the bahamas and some of the out islands talking i, I want to ask him about what's going on down there what don't we know about the Bahamas and some of the out islands and what relief efforts are underway. Pastor Randy Crow is with us today. Pastor, thanks for making time. Thank you, Michelle, for letting us have a chance to kind of share a good uh, story that needs to be shared. You have been for many, many years spending time uh, in some of these outland out islands in the Bahamas. Can you paint the picture? Because, you know, when we see pictures of the Bahamas, uh, we see, you know, the beautiful palm trees, we see the the mansions, uh, we think vacation, uh, and that doesn't necessarily picture the life of everyday people in the Bahamas. 
It does not. For 45 years, I've been uh, going to the out islands of the Bahamas two to four weeks a year until about 13 years ago. I went down as a full-time pastor of a church on an island that's two miles long, a third of a mile wide, and uh, that island has been destroyed by uh, the hurricane that just left there. Uh, there's 700 islands in the Bahamas. Most people think of Nassau and cruise ships when they say the Bahamas. <laughs> Uh, but the out islands are, my goodness, uh, little pastors down there that are hurting. Uh, they don't have much. They don't have an opportunity to go get an education from uh, biblical standpoints. Uh, they really are God-called in their servants. And so islandoutreach.com, that's our ministry. We have spent our last years of going down. I have a six-seat airplane, so I'm able to fly in and out of the Bahamas regularly in the haul-in supplies, and that's what we're about to do now with Marsh Harbor and uh, Freeport. We're going to be flying in as soon as they'll open some airports. They're all closed right now. Of course. Uh, if you're just joining us, Pastor Randy Crow has had a long-time ministry in the Bahamas, uh, going down, ministering to those who minister, bringing in supplies. Uh, you can find them at islandoutreach.com. I know you're very busy putting together some supplies uh, as soon as the airports are open, you're going to be going down and helping with the relief effort. So I appreciate you taking some time out for us way here on the West Coast. Uh, paint for me uh, a picture of the people. I'd like my listener friend to have an understanding of what the people in the Bahamas are, are like. Oh, they're some of the sweetest folks in the world. Of course, everybody says that about the areas they serve, but uh the Bahamas is a uh, fairly, quote, Christian nation. Uh, they've got all the sins America has got, without a doubt. Uh, but they're very loving and kind, and uh, they'll share whatever they have. Uh, and they're doing that now. They are in survival mode in Marsh Harbor, uh, Manowar Key, Guana Key, Elbow Key, which most people know as Hopetown, uh, big vacation spots. All of that has been literally destroyed. And the people that are there, they're resilient. They will rebuild. And, of course, our plan is to get in there. I'd love to be there by this Sunday. I just re uh, left my church nine months ago down there after 13 years. And I'd love to be back there Sunday just to hug their neck and let them yeah. know that we love them. Even though our building has been destroyed, I've heard that uh, the roof was blown completely off the church. Mm. So, uh, you know, if you go to that islandoutreach.com, you'll be able to see the pictures of the church. You'll okay. see our airplane and all that we do. And uh, uh, it's just an amazing ministry, and the people there are just unbelievably warm and uh, welcoming. And it's not, uh, as you say, what we think, <laughs> oftentimes cruise no. ships and yep. uh, vacationing. And, and so people kind of think, well, you know, there's a lot of mansions and a lot of money and, you know, they're well insured and they're going to be just fine. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture of the people of the Bahamas. That is not the picture of the Bahamas. Most people in the Bahamas... Uh, do not have hurricane insurance. They just don't because you couldn't afford it. Uh, and uh, the mansions, there's pockets of those where your baseball players and your movie stars own big mansions on certain islands. But uh, by no means is that the norm. Most of the folks in the Bahamas are hardworking people making, you know, 20000 25000 a year at the most. 
and uh, just aging out a living off of fishing and conking and uh, just doing odds and ends in carpentry work. So that yeah. that's the real Bahamas. I think something that we forget is when we think of a glamorous vacation spot, uh, you have to realize that there are everyday people in that service industry as well. They have to work a lot of hours every day and they're not necessarily making a lot. So that gives us a picture, more of a, a complete picture of the Bahamas, what people do, how they live, some of the, the beauty of the people and the heart of the folks there in the Bahamas. And they are really going through it as Dorian has ripped through. Airports are yeah. down, services are down. Uh, they're, they're trying to dig out of their homes. So what yeah. is the relief effort going to be looking at like? What are what's what's some of the first things that you're going to see try to see get in there and what's it going to be looking like over the next few months? Uh one, our first flight whenever we can get in there, I'm carrying a plane load of tarps and chainsaws and ropes. Okay. and protein bars and things like mm. that. Uh, we have Missionary Flights International out of Fort Pierce, Florida. They have huge DC-3s. We're putting together around 7,000 pounds, and they'll be able to fly that in on the big DC-3s. I do know that there's two helicopters that are leaving. One is leaving Thursday. One is leaving Friday. So it'll be able to land on an island so the, even though the runway's not open, they can land on the ball field. So we've had the ball field okay. cleared off. Okay. And then there's a huge barge going. So, uh, you know, there's boats that will be headed that way, and the relief effort will just be, you know, a long-lasting where we'll take work teams in from the U.S. and all. That's great. And so uh, first effort is going to be some of the emergency pl supplies we're looking at water yes. clean water because you know you're inundated with water just yep. not the kind you can drink uh right. we're going to be looking yep, at just i mean you're saying energy bars you know just something yep. that can give nourishment to people because yep. they have nothing ever i mean imagine here in in our neck of the woods if we were uh, overrun by uh, a tsunami or, or something of that nature everything yep. is gone so gone. that you're looking for food um, you said chainsaws things that can help uh, dig people out and uh, I'm assuming things that can help provide temporary shelter on on top of it as a pastor and if you're just joining us we're talking about the Bahamas the relief effort that is underway right now getting geared up to fly down Pastor Randy Crow has had a multiple decade ministry going down to the Bahamas and ministering even to those who minister down there. Uh, we're, you're looking at a spiritual aspect that is that you just can't understand. I think, Pastor, if you haven't gone through a disaster, uh, if you're sitting on the uh, dry side, <laughs> like we are of a hurricane. Yeah here in the country, it's hard to understand just how important that spiritual aspect, that uh, that need is. 
Well, that's the rock. And, you know, what we tell everybody, uh, we want to respond to humanitarian needs by all means. Jesus says, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So we want to do it with a humanitarian, without a doubt. But uh, greater than that is the gospel we can share with them, the love of Christ that gives them the peace beyond just giving them a protein bar. Uh, just having a time to pray with them, encourage them, have a church service with them. Uh, you know, those are the av- avenues that we try to go down. It's the equivalent in my mind, Pastor, of a, a hug. And when you're going through something, yeah. just someone there to just, you can just collapse in their arms yeah. for just a moment providing a spiritual hug, a place where someone can emotionally and spiritually just collapse for just a moment and and find a bit of peace, reset to find the courage to, to, to stand in hope as you dig yourself out, you start over. It, it's very important. And so this is why the efforts are so important. You can go to islandoutreach.com. There are efforts going on. They're putting things together. You can be part of it. You can find out what's going on. You can be part of uh, of this effort. You can support financially. You can be in prayer. And then what are we going to be looking at in the coming months, Pastor? Uh, we'll, we'll end up with, uh, from the east coast of Florida, we'll, we will be putting together work teams from churches all over the U.S. They'll fly into central Florida. We'll put them on some DC-3s and take work teams out there where they could serve for a week or whatever and uh, help us put roofs back on churches, pastors' houses, and uh, just minister to the people at large. And that'll be going on for days and months in the future. Yeah, and and that is really important when you think of uh, helping those who are helping their community, uh, putting those roofs back on churches. Churches aren't just a place to gather on Sundays, though that is, as we just pointed out, so important when people are in need. But they're also a place where... Uh, FEMA will go in and distribute, uh, local right. and other uh, humanitarian organizations. They will pick places like sure. churches, these gathering places. So it is an important central place in every community for outreach, spiritually, physically. Uh, let's talk just briefly uh, about how we can be involved and what you need from the rest of the country. Uh, one is prayer, uh, by all means. Uh, number two. What, let's stop there for just a moment. What can we be praying for? What specifically should we be praying? Uh, praying for the people that are there, that uh, their safety, even though the storm is just about past, it's the slowest moving storm in history, I think. Uh, I'm on the east coast of Florida near Daytona Beach area. And uh, it still hadn't made it all the way up here to us yet. So we're still hunkered down, waiting on the storm to pass us. But pray for the safety of the people. Pray for the spiritual awakening of the country. And uh, just pray for all the relief efforts and the people that are going in. Uh, People are going to be putting themselves in harm's way, flying over all this ocean that we do. Uh, You know, lift up all of the rescue people that will be trying to deliver the goods through boats, through airplanes, helicopters, and getting all of that stuff in. And one of the things we do, and we make sure it becomes the focal point, is 
whenever I've been in the Bahamas now for all these years, and whenever a disaster happens, when these big DC-3s land and Samaritan's Purse or whoever mm-hmm. it is comes in, we work with all of them, and we try to not go through the Bahamian government. We try to let them to let us call the pastors and the local communities to show up at the airport. We unload the airplane, put it on these pickup trucks. And then we tell these pastors, you go back to your community and you give out these products from your church. It's not from Florida Baptist. It's not from Samaritan's Purse. It's not from Island Outreach. You go tell everybody this is yours. We're giving it to you and your church, and we want you to go minister to your people. And uh, that just builds a great ministry and a testimony of these churches in their communities that they would never be able to give away stuff like this. That's amazing. And and what that really also says is that uh, people like Samaritan's Purse and some of the other great organizations Organizations and many of them, uh, we support their efforts here on our, our radio program and on this station. They're not there to build a name for themselves. They're there to exalt the name of Christ and to make a difference. And that really speaks to their heart. It also cuts through the corruption and the red tape. And that's what makes me feel good about giving. This is, you hear uh, the stories, your heart is moved, you want to do something. So, uh, we often will give. We just want to know where and where is some place that right. I can give that I know that it's really going to help the people that I want to help. So number one is prayer. What else can we do? Financially, go to any of these organizations, whether it's islandoutreach.com or Missionary Flights International or Samaritan's Purse. Uh, we're all intertwined uh, in working body. together. We are a body of Christ, and uh, nobody is trying to get, uh, uh, you know, a name recognition or anything. Every, we're all there just to say, hey, let's get it over there and give it out to the people. And that's that. what we try to do, especially working through the local pastors. That's what makes it so real, because these pastors get to go into the community and give these things out. Uh, when they leave the airport with 7,000 pounds uh, in 25 pastors have showed up and we disperse it. They're going many different directions to help people. And it gets to the people immediately without it going through some warehouse and some government and all the above. So pray for us because usually I'm an outreach. I'm usually the first on the ground Mm -hmm. and I try to get with the customs agents and say, hey guys, here's what we want to do. Here's how we'd like to do it. Would you let us not have to go through NEEM, which is uh, their uh, their uh, rescue people like we have FEMA, they have NEMA. Mm. Uh, will you let us just give it to the pastors and that way they can go give it out to the people. And uh, so usually they'll let us do that. They're and that's something we can be praying about too. Yeah. Pray that their hearts will be open to when we get on the ground, we can get this straight to the people without it going through a FEMA type organization. It's got to go to a warehouse, get catalogs, and we know who gave what and how many pieces of water we gave away and how much. Nobody cares. Just somebody gave it. Let us give it away. That's all we care about. I love this. Uh, I want to thank you so much. Pastor Randy Crow is with us. Thank you, you can find out more uh, at Island outreach.com you can also give there islandoutreach.com pastor randy crow and i'm gonna ask uh not something you hear on the radio a whole lot but i'm gonna ask if 
uh, no matter where you're driving or where you may be right now, if you'll just take a moment, uh, maybe Pastor Crow can lead us in a prayer for the people in the Bahamas. I would love to. Hey, Father, we love you. Thank you for your family. Lord, it is so much bigger than who we are. Lord, we're so glad that you're not interested in denominations. Lord, you're interested in reaching the people with the Word of God, the gospel of Christ. Father, remind us today it's only good news if we share it in time. And, uh, Lord, we want to do that. Lord, sometimes we do it by handing out a cup of water. Sometimes we do it by handing out a meals ready to eat. Uh, Lord, we're going to be your feet. We want to be your arms. Lord, you've given us tools like airplanes to use, and we want to use it for your honor and your glory. So, Father, I pray today you'll be with everyone as we all pull together. And most of all, may your name get lifted up and glorified above everything else. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember, pray for the folks in the Bahamas in the wake of Hurricane Dorian. And if you are prompted to give, then give. You can go to islandoutreach.com. There are a host of great places and great organizations that are meeting physical and spiritual needs. Uh, Find them, be a part of it, it's as good for us as it is for them. You know, it's changing the world. It's taking the, the hate, the division, the ugliness and saying, you know, let's put those aside and let's do the right thing. Let's bring glory to God. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Love it, Michelle. Hey, thank you and your listeners. God bless you. Y'all stay safe on that coast over there with the earthquakes and the tsunami. (laughs) So far, so good. But hopefully you'll be praying for us if we go through that. Thank you so much, Pastor. We will. No problem. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Stay with us on Live from Seattle. We are going to share with you some Christian headline news and give you some insights into how you can win a trip to Hawaii in the next few minutes. Well, you won't win it in the next few minutes, but you'll find out at least. You'll also find out about traffic. I'm Michelle Mendoza, your friend in the afternoon, live from Seattle, 8.20 a.m., The Word. Michelle's got a lot more live from Seattle coming up. So stay tuned to 8.20 a.m., The Word. Time to get back to Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. Well, thank you for being with us today as we've covered Dorian and getting a better understanding of some of the good things that are going on. Uh, Like uh, you heard in our first segment, the Cajun Army going in and helping their neighbors. There's also a lot of Good work being done. We mentioned Samaritan's Purse, uh, the American Red Cross, World Vision, among some. Save the children. They're always on the ground when disaster strikes. So those are some good organizations that are doing some great work with Dorian. And a lot of those folks uh, are driven by their faith. And for that, uh, putting their faith in action in positive ways, it's awesome because we can always hear again and again negative headlines. And that's where Christian headline news to me is so important, understanding our liberty 
in America, in our society, the freedom to worship as we please and the appreciation of faith is integral. Faith, good faith, lived out in beautiful ways, does wonderful things for our world, for our society. And yet we often see some pushback. So where are we? We'll take a look. It's time for Christian Headline News. Christian Headline News on Live from Seattle. Well, in this Christian Headline News report, listen to this story. A Christian realtor is coming under fire for their faith. Take a listen to this story. This began when the Virginia Real Estate Board filed a complaint against realtor Hadassah Carter, saying that because she's using religious speech, she could make someone feel discriminated against. The American Center for Law and Justice has filed a lawsuit on Carter's behalf, charging the state real estate board with violating her First Amendment rights and calling this an attack on free speech and basic religious liberty. The ACLJ says there have been no actual complaints against Hadassah Carter for discrimination. She has a diverse clientele of Jews, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists, Kenyans and Vietnamese. Not a single allegation of religious discrimination was made against her. The ACLJ says that while the Virginia Real Estate Board has dropped its initial complaint against Hadassah, it forced her employer to enter into an agreement to monitor her and report back on her religious expression. The ACLJ says the Supreme Court has made it clear that that's blatantly unconstitutional, that laws about commercial speech cannot discriminate on the basis of viewpoint. Ms. Carter was ultimately forced to resign rather than compromise her Christian faith. Wow, what a story and being represented by the ACLJ. Do you know, you can hear the folks from the ACLJ, well, Jay Seculo Live is broadcasted at 9 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. just before live from Seattle. So you can take a listen and you may hear more on that story. Now, this is a story of a school that people are scratching their heads and going, what? What are they doing? It's a Catholic school and they removed Harry Potter books. Find out why. Listen. Kids may love Harry Potter, but one school is bringing the Hogwarts Express to a halt. According to the Tennessean, students at St. Edward Catholic School in Nashville, Tennessee, will no longer be allowed to check out books from J.K. Rowling's acclaimed series. In an email sent out to parents, a pastor of the school said, These books present magic as both good and evil, which is not true but in fact, a clever deception. The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells, which, when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. The pastor even said he consulted several exorcists who recommended the school remove the books, according to reports. The Harry Potter series was one of the most requested books to be removed from school libraries at one point. They were considered top challenged books from 2001 to 2003, according to the American Library Association. How interesting when you deal with fiction, sometimes a, a, a classic 
is the Chronicles of Narnia dealing with uh, a magic uh, imagination. And yet it kind of rode the line in a good way. Uh, Some people say the Harry Potter series became very dark, especially in the movies, that it may in some ways cross that line with using actual spells. Uh, So, you know, you have to decide for yourself and for your family. If you are at those crossroads, you know, you can join us tomorrow at five o'clock where on Fridays we get you plugged into the movies and we give you the tools to choose for your family. I'm Michelle Mendoza. We are in the midst of Christian headline news. That's our stories for today. And we will catch you tomorrow with our Thank God It's Friday edition of Live from Seattle, taking on sports, a weekend review. Yes, we get you plugged into the movies and we get you right into the weekend. Thanks for joining me. Be blessed. We're live from Seattle, 8.20 a.m. The Word. You've been listening to Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. Join us again every weekday afternoon at 4 for more Live from Seattle with Michelle Mendoza right here on 820 AM, The Word.